Do you love early intervention, but feel like you need more mentorship and information to thrive in this setting? We're here to provide a safe, inclusive community where we learn from and uplift one another. It's our mission to prepare students and practitioners to be confident and competent working in early intervention. Hi, I'm Amira Johnson. I'm Danielle DiLorenzo. And I'm Sarah Putt. And together, we're the real OTs of early intervention. Do you want to know the one thing that has shifted my perspective the most as an occupational therapy practitioner? Do you think it's the 12 plus years of experience that I have under my belt? Or maybe one of the many continuing education courses I've taken? What about being a fieldwork educator, starting a private practice, hosting a podcast, co-hosting a couple podcasts, volunteering internationally, or even some of the guest speaking that I've done at universities. While all of these have had some sort of an impact, none of them have had the biggest impact. The thing that has had the biggest impact on my OT perspective, especially working in early intervention, has been becoming a mom. In today's episode, I wanted to share a little bit about this journey and really how my perspective has shifted from being solely a practitioner to now being a mom that's also a practitioner. I know not everyone who listens to this is a parent or even plans to become one, and that doesn't mean that you can't be a brilliant practitioner. I practiced for over 10 years in pediatrics and in early intervention before ever becoming a parent myself. But this journey into motherhood has had such an impact on my lens as an occupational therapy practitioner that I wanted to take a little bit of time today and just share some of the things that I've learned along the way. And you could probably argue that my transition to becoming a mom started the moment that I found out that I was pregnant. That moment really switched my mindset. No longer was it just about me. I had to start paying attention to my body, what I was eating, how I was positioning myself, how I was moving, and really had to start kind of prioritizing things, not just for me, but for my baby. And really, that shift gives me an additional lens when I'm working with with my families. Now, when I work with them, I'm not just a practitioner, but I can also come at it from the mom lens, from the parent lens, from the caregiver lens. I think going through my pregnancy with all of the knowledge about development and how it starts in the womb. You know, we we all know it. Reading books, the physical touch, talking to your babies when you're pregnant. And, you know, funny kind of side note, during my pregnancy, this is probably towards the, the later end of it, I decided to start editing my podcast episodes over on OT for Life and the real OTs actually I started to edit them without headphones because I knew all of the research and literature that supports lots of talking, especially even in utero. And so usually I'd put headphones in and I'd just get to work, but I actually stopped using the headphones and just would play it over the speakers so my baby could start hearing some of that language. Very early on, she was getting used to hearing me talking, but a lot of the times when I was wearing headphones, she wouldn't hear when I would be interviewing guests and all of that. So just kind of a little side note there, but that's all these things that kind of go through our heads, even when even when we're pregnant, especially if you've been working in early intervention, you know 
all of this information about development and sensory and just how everything starts to form. And it's kind of a blessing and a curse, right? Sometimes we might know too much and it's really hard to turn off that brain. But that really started while I was pregnant and continues. I will get into it in just a little bit of what what that kind of looks like now. But it definitely started when I was pregnant. And Another thing that was kind of really interesting to go through from the parent perspective was genetic testing. So because I am of advanced maternal age, at the time that I was pregnant and gave birth, I was 36 years old. And so that put me in that higher risk category. And so it was recommended, we didn't have to do it, but it was recommended that my husband and I go through genetic testing just as a part of our kind of routine testing that we were having done throughout the pregnancy. And I think the really interesting part for me was that I have gone through this countless times with my families, with my kiddos and their families before. And I have been, I've been a support system for them while they have done this. And I've experienced it through their lens and through their journey. But here I was a pregnant mama going through it with my own journey and how, again, how that just kind of shifted my mindset a little bit more. And I think I think what was super interesting about that whole experience is that throughout my years as an occupational therapy practitioner, I have worked with a lot of kids and a lot of different families. And I mean, with that comes, I've worked with a lot of different diagnoses. And at one point when we were sitting down with the genetic counselor, she was kind of running through the list of all of these different kind of conditions and diagnoses that they were going to be screening for. And I was familiar with or had worked with or evaluated kiddos that have had pretty much all of the diagnoses that she went through. And Being that I was going through it with my husband, he had never heard of probably most of these diagnoses before. But for me, I could put a face and a name to it. I could put a couple faces and a couple names to these diagnoses. And again, it just kind of widened my perspective going through this process as a parent, coupled with the fact of all of the knowledge that I've had, all of the experience that I've had over the years that I have been an occupational therapy practitioner. So I think it just really kind of gave me this unique experience to be able to have the knowledge as an occupational therapy practitioner specializing in early intervention, as well as now being a parent and having gone through that experience. I think the other thing about specifically when we're talking about pregnancy, and we've actually, we've talked about this, Danielle and Amira and I, we've talked about this in some of our previous episodes, but it's really, it really highlighted for me how resilient babies really are. And the resiliency piece really kind of came into play for me when I underwent emergency surgery at 32 weeks gestation. And what started out as pain in my abdomen After 24 hours, countless tests, two trips to the hospital, they finally were able to diagnose me, and I had appendicitis. And as soon as they diagnosed me, they rushed me right into surgery. And I remember just kind of thinking there with everything that had already happened, with some of the pain medication that they had put me on when they were trying to figure out what was going on, and then 
after the surgery, I was on antibiotics. I was on other pain medicines. I, I was on a lot of different stuff. And that's not even to mention some of the trauma that I went through getting this diagnosis, not knowing what it was. I mean, you name it. There there was a lot that was all kind of wrapped up into this experience. And of course, I, I couldn't turn off my therapist brain. And the whole time I kept thinking, like, what are these pain medicines? What kind of effect are they going to have on the baby? Will this surgery have any impact? Will it cause her to come early? And I mean, there's so many things and I, I don't want to go too deep into the weeds of the, the surgery and the procedure and everything that happened there on this episode, but I did talk about this on OT for Life. So if you do want to hear a little bit more about my emergency procedure, you can check that out at otforlife.com slash 110. That's OT, the number four, L-Y-F-E dot com slash 110. And that's episode 110. And I go into a little bit more detail about that experience in that episode. But really, that whole entire experience just showed me and I knew this, but it just it proved to me how resilient babies really are. Another aspect of parenthood that I think has had a big impact on me as an occupational therapy practitioner was the birth process. And this was something that I think that I was the most nervous about being a first-time mom. I know I was nervous and hesitant about being pregnant, but you kind of have many months, many weeks to adjust to that and grow and change and all of these kind of things. But when it comes to labor and delivery, you never quite know what's going to happen. And everybody's story is completely different. And what one person will tell you their experience was, somebody else will tell you, and their experience is completely different. And so it was one of those things that like, with all of the research and, you know, just all of the reading that I did about it, it still couldn't prepare you for what you actually went through. And I think the other thing that really kind of was highlighted to me about about this specifically when we're talking about labor and delivery and the birth process is the influence of support or the lack of support during this time and really the impact that that can have on a child and on the parents and the caregivers and anybody that is involved in that child's life. I think fortunately for me, my team at the hospital, my OB, my the nurses, the staff, everybody that I came in contact with, they were amazing and they were everything that I needed at that moment. I really don't have any I don't I don't have anything negative to talk about in regards to my labor and delivery besides having to push for four and a half hours. I wish that that probably wasn't, I didn't have to do it quite that long. But besides that, everybody was there. Everybody supported me. I felt like my needs were met. I felt like my voice was heard and that I never really had to advocate for something that I felt like I wasn't getting. But I know that that's not the case with everybody. And I know that labor and delivery can be very traumatic for some people, for some kids, for some moms, for some dads, for some caregivers. And it really just proved to me that even though this is a day or a couple days in the span of a child's and caregiver's life, it really can have an, a lasting impact, especially if there's some sort of trauma or something that happens that 
isn't necessarily addressed early on in the child's life and and the family's life too. I think I I mean I kind of had mentioned that everybody's birth stories is special and unique to them and I do feel now when I am getting a history from the family and we're talking about pregnancy and we're talking about birth and talking about that whole experience I do feel like I have a a deeper connection to these parents because I have gone through it myself. And I think it is just one of those really important things that I knew was important before I became a parent and before I went through it. But now having gone through it personally, now I can really recognize the importance that this entire experience so far, pregnancy and the birthing process and all of that, I can really see the connection and the importance and making sure that like, as an occupational therapy practitioner, I'm asking the right questions and I'm supporting the families while also getting the information that is needed, being an early, you know, working in early intervention and making sure that we are addressing the needs of the families too. So again, like it's just every, every little thing that I've gone through since becoming pregnant and becoming a mom has just all added up to shifting my perspective and honestly growing my perspective as an occupational therapy practitioner working in early intervention. And then one of the other areas to also discuss here is the postpartum period and once that child is born. And, you know, I, I mentioned when I first started talking about pregnancy that I went from only really paying attention to myself to now having to think about my baby and that continued again. Once I gave birth, again, I had to take care of myself, but I also am now responsible for a tiny human that's no longer in my body anymore. And it is definitely another kind of mindset shift when that happens. And then there are a lot there's a lot of emotions that happen, <laughs> especially in that early postpartum period. But even today, and I'm I'm a little bit over six months since I gave birth, and there's a lot of emotions. There's still a lot of hormones, and there's a lot of stuff that can kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say cloud my judgment, but can definitely impact how I'm feeling in that day or how I react to something. And the other thing, again, kind of going back to the very, very early postpartum period, especially if you are the birthing parent, and and I can speak to that because I was the one that gave birth to my daughter, you are on your own healing journey for, I was going to say for many months, and, and honestly, I think I'm probably still on that healing journey. And especially, like, this would be thinking about our families that are coming to see us within the first month, two, three, four months after their their kiddos are born, that the birthing parent, both parents, I should say, both caregivers, but specifically the birthing parent is going to be healing themselves. And then having to think about getting a referral for early intervention, navigating the whole medical system, navigating any sort of diagnosis that their child might have received or anything like that. It's, it's a lot to process. It, it definitely is a lot to process. And from a personal standpoint for me, I know that my daughter was diagnosed with a lip tie 
within the first couple of weeks of life. And here I am, like I'm trained in the Beckman oral motor protocol and I do a lot of oral motor and sensory and feeding interventions with kiddos and all of this. And here I am having specialists tell me the exercises that I know that I have told parents how to do before. And they're telling me to do it X amount of times a day and all of this. And because I was still healing, because I was adjusting to being a new mom, because I was going through this entire process that I've never been through before. I found myself not being able to do these home exercise programs that the the specialists were giving me, and I knew that I needed to do it, and I found myself struggling with it. And that was such a pivotal moment for me to recognize that it's not just about giving the parents and the caregivers all of these exercises. And if they don't do it, it's not that they're trying to, you know, they don't want to listen to you or they don't want to do the best for their child, but that there's so much other stuff that could be going on that you as a practitioner might not even know. And I learned that firsthand going through that with my daughter. I also think And I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but it's so hard to turn off your therapy brain, especially as an OT and early intervention. I am constantly analyzing my daughter's movements. If she's using both hands, both sides of her body, is she turning her head to both sides? Does it seem like, you know, one side is stronger or is is it equal and, and symmetrical? It is constant. And I literally can't just turn off my OT brain, which is probably a blessing and a curse in the same thing. And probably as my daughter gets older, she's she will start laughing at me when she can tell that I am <laughs> therapizing her at the moment. And we've recently, just about a week or two ago, we recently started Solid Foods, and that is a whole new ball game. Thinking about sensory and oral motor and fine motor and visual motor and everything that falls into feeding. Whew, that I think is going to be a whole nother podcast in itself because there's there's a lot that goes into that. And my brain is constantly firing while I am introducing these new foods to my daughter. I think being a parent, there are so many things to think about. Are they warm enough? Are they too warm? Are they hungry? When was the last time I fed them? Do they need a snack? How's their diaper? Do they need to be changed? Did they poop? Do they need more stimulation? Do they need to play a little bit more? Or have they had enough and they need a break? Are they happy? Are they sad? What's that cry mean? What are they trying to communicate to me? They just gave me a funny look with their eyes. What does that mean? Do they need some movement? And the list goes on and on and on. And this isn't even mentioning having more than one kid that you're responsible for taking care of or maybe uh, other adults in the house or even outside of the house that, that, that you play a role in providing some sort of care to. It's a lot. It is a lot. And this is solely thinking about, I mean, for me right now, and this is what I can speak to, this is solely thinking about one kid, not thinking even about myself or my husband at that point. You know, once once you start thinking about yourself, it's like, when was the last time I ate? Ooh, I'm pretty hungry. Have I gone to the bathroom recently? I can't even remember. When was the last time I showered? How much laundry do I have to do? The house? I don't even know when I'll get around to cleaning the house. And I mean, that that's just kind of like daily stuff that needs attention to, let alone work 
anything that you have to do for work. If you're working in the house, if you're working full-time, part-time, if you're working outside of the house, how are you navigating your work roles? And also having some sort of a social life and connecting with your friends, connecting with your family and everything. I mean, everything that I just said right there is, it is a lot. And needless to say, there is a lot to think about. And then again, going back to that practitioner piece, throwing therapy on top of everything that I just said, throwing some medical needs or maybe diagnoses or pending diagnoses, and now having to show up as a parent once a week, once a month, twice a week, whatever the frequency is for occupational therapy, maybe physical therapy or speech therapy, maybe all three, navigating doctor's appointments and other specialist appointments if there's orthotics or glasses or GI or you name it, right? I think one of the biggest things that I've learned throughout this process, throughout this journey of becoming a parent is that I used to ask way too much of my kiddos caregivers. And that's not a detriment to them. That that's not pointing fingers at them. That's that I didn't realize everything else that was going on on their plate. I didn't recognize the scope that they had with everything going on with their kid, but then outside of that too and with their lives outside of their kids. I think I also focused too much on the kiddo. I would come in and I would do my direct one-on-one time with the kiddo, but I I know that I would answer questions and I'd support the families to the best of my ability, but I never really took a second to really, really connect with the parents. I, I did, but in my honest opinion, I don't think I did it enough or to the extent that now that I'm a parent, I feel like I should have. And I did put out a blog post this past week highlighting a few of the things that I think we as practitioners need to be saying to the caregivers at every session. And one of that is that we need to be checking in on them. I think a lot of times we check in about the kiddos, or even if we ask, how are you doing? The caregivers automatically respond by talking about the kid and what the kid's been up to. And I do think that it is so important that we really check in with the caregivers because their mental health, their physical health, their health matters. We can't expect them to show up for their kids if they can't show up for themselves. And I've learned that. It it's hard. It's it's a tough pill to swallow to put your needs. I was going to say first, it's not even that, to, to know that your needs are important in conjunction with the needs of your child and the needs of your family. But I know that I can't show up and be the best parent that I can be if I don't stress that importance and do some of the things that are important for me. And this is all stuff that we know as occupational therapy practitioners, but we need to, we need to continue to bring that up to our clients, caregivers, that the parents, and make sure that that's something that we are addressing in every single session. And if they need additional resources, if they need more support, that we can help them with that or that we can point them to somebody that will provide them that support. And I think one of the last things that this journey into motherhood and parenthood has really shown me is that we need to reassure the parents and the caregivers that they're doing a good job. 
being a parent, being a caregiver is really, really hard. And I mean, I have barely scratched the surface on some of the things that I mentioned today. And it's one of those things that you do it day in and day out. And it's easy to, as a parent, it's easy to get very, very hard on yourself that you're not doing a good job. Why is it my kid going down for a nap? Why is my kid struggling to meet their milestones? Why is my kid having difficulty eating? And even if the kiddo is doing everything they should be doing, I think it's easy for parents to be hard on themselves for whatever it is. And I think it's important that we as practitioners show up and tell our parents, you're doing a good job. I know when I had a healthcare professional say that to me, or if I had a friend that just reached out and and made that mention to me, or... I had a conversation with my sister one day and I was venting about something that wasn't going right and she was giving me strategies because she has two older kiddos and I mean they were great. Everything that she said was like really, really good. It was exactly what I needed to hear and we hung up and you know went, went about our day and literally like five minutes later she called me back and she was like, I just wanted to tell you you're doing a good job and I was like, oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I'm like, I'm like actually getting teary telling that story because you get so wrapped up in your job duties and what's what you have to do and what you did. And to have somebody say you're doing a good job, it just can honestly, it can mean the world to a parent. So if you want to read a little bit more about what some of the other things that I mentioned in that blog post, if you go to therealots.com, you will see the three things that we should be saying to the caregivers at every session. And that's the blog post that I wrote. And that goes into a little more detail about that. Becoming a parent has been one of the hardest but best things that I've ever done. It has really challenged me in ways that I never knew possible. Hello, sleep exhaustion. It has tested my patience, which my husband says I'm one of the most patient people he knows, and this has really tested my patience. It has also made me question everything that I do. All the time, I find myself saying, am I even doing this whole parenting thing right? But it has also instilled in me so much unconditional love. It has shown me the importance of celebrating the small wins. We know this as occupational therapy practitioners in early intervention. The small wins like being able to hold your head up, roll, crawl, smile, reach and grasp for an object, bring it to your mouth. All of these small milestones and mini milestones and how important they are for development. Being a parent has made me realize the importance of slowing down and just living in the moment. And there are times that I have a laundry list of things that I have to get done and that I need to do for me, that I need to do for my daughter, that I need to do for my family. And sometimes I just find myself just laying on the ground with my daughter and making funny noises or smiling at her or just watching, watching her as she explores her environment. And it's really about just taking that time because she's only going to be this age <laughs> during the time that she is. And you blink and they're a month older and they're doing so much more. And yeah, it's it's crazy. It, it really is. But my daughter has become my everything. And it's the everything that I never even knew that I needed. 
she has shifted my perspective and I can honestly say that she has made me a better occupational therapy practitioner. So today I shared how becoming a parent has impacted my career as an occupational therapist. And I want to know if you're a parent, how has that impacted you as a practitioner? And if you're not a parent, what's been the biggest thing that has impacted your practice? You can shoot us a message over at the real OTs of EI on Instagram, or you can email us at the real OTs of EI at gmail.com. We're so excited you joined us today. Check out our website, therealots.com, for more information about anything discussed in the episode. And sign up for our email list so you don't miss out on any of our awesome EI resources. And join our amazing community of students and practitioners to get your questions answered and learn from others working in early intervention. Whether you're in the car, on your lunch break, or signing in to your next virtual session, thanks for keeping it real with the real OTs of early intervention.